Welcome to the Flourish Conference podcast. Each spring, women from all over the country gather together at our annual conference to learn, grow, and flourish together as a community. Here is the recording from one of our sessions at our 2023 conference. Good morning, ladies. I'm probably going to have to stand off to the side so y'all can see me. I usually, I have a little acrylic stool at our church that they put for me to stand on so everybody can see me. It's such a blessing to be here this morning. How many of you in here have never heard of me or are unfamiliar with Victory Life? And like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not speaking to family this morning. Um, but uh, it, I've got a few of you in here. Anyway, she gave a little briefing about me. Um, we're south of New Orleans, so Louisiana is shaped like a boot, and we're in the toe of the boot. 45 minutes more south of us, you're in the Gulf of Mexico. So we are way down on the bayou, um, Cajun country, pure Cajun country. And so it's a wonderful place. God has been so gracious to us. Um, Penny, actually, I had like three different titles to my message, and she said, pick one. But the, um, the heart of what she wanted me to present was um, sharing our faith through lifestyle and love instead of it being a duty. And that's why Michelle put, you know, turning duty into a delight. Um, But before I get started with that, I just have to share with you, when I was thinking about this morning, there's a favorite, it's not my favorite, I would say my favorite verse. I have a lot of favorite verses in the Word of God. I'm I'm hiding from some of you. Um, But there's a chapter that... Every time I read it, I, it just warms my heart. And it's in John 17 where Jesus is praying to the Father for his disciples. That he would go to the Father and say, Lord, make them one as we are one. And this whole weekend that we've been talking about engaging, that, that sums it up right there in John 17. That's God's desire is that we are one with him and the Father, as him and the Father are one. That, it's, it's just overwhelming to think that that's how much God desires each and every one of you to be that close to him. And that's what all that engaging is all about, is him wanting you that close. And so I hope, ladies, that that is going to be the testimony you all have when you leave here, is that you've drawn that close to the Father. Um, so thank you. We're going to get started. Let me just share this in, in opening. Um, I've been saved for 43 years. We've been full-time pastors for almost 30. Um, we didn't really have aspirations of pastoring a church. Our senior pastor was electrocuted doing a water baptism. And so my husband and I were kind of thrust into senior pastoring. But serving God has always been a privilege, always. But it has not always been pleasurable. <laughs> and you might say, oh, pastor's saying that. It's not. No, it has not always been pleasurable. We've had, just like a lot of other churches, so many ups and downs, so many trials and testings. But it's always a privilege to serve God. Um, and so this morning, we want to get from a heart of, 
I have to do this because sometimes as pastors and even serving God, you are servants of the Lord now. And so the choice is not, am I going to be a steward of the things God has called me to do or what kind of steward I'm going to be? Okay. And it's, so it's going from it being, um, I have to do this, but I get to do this. And I know you've heard that, and it might sound cliche, but there are so many days where that you are going to be challenged in that. And so we're going to jump right into it. Psalm 48 says, I delight to do your will. It is a delight to do your will. Have you ever found yourself saying, oh, I've got to do that again. Oh, we got to go here again. Oh, there we go again. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've all been there. We're talking about engaging with him. And so the first thing we're going to go to this morning and um, turning duty into delight is engaging with him. And that's your spirit, your heart. You're going to have to connect with him in your heart. Dasha just paved the way. She said everybody else was using her scriptures. So I want to say, well, ditto Dada, Dasha just ditto what she just said. Brother Rod Aguilard, y'all heard Marvelous Mary the other morning. I've known Brother Rod since I'm a young girl, probably around the age of 12 years old. So I've, I've known them. I had a sister that was involved in their church before I was even saved. So I've known of Brother Rod. And now he is a, a spiritual father to me and my husband. He is our pastor. And I love him so dearly. But years ago, even before he wrote his book, um, The Key to the Supernatural, if you've never read it, it's a wonderful little book. It's simple. It's a quick read. Um, but it's a great little devotional. But morning by morning, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Ladies, I don't mean it to be redundant. You've heard it over and over. But there's nothing more to be said. If you're going to engage with God... You have got to find that place. I raised six children. And even as adult children, they have my, one of my youngest daughter drives to work at 630 in the morning and she's going to be calling me. Then my other daughter drops her kids off at school and she's going to be calling me. And then I have a sister that works and she just loves to call me and tell me all the road rage she has and all the cars she needs to pass up and everything she, you know, and I'm hearing all of this. So what I've had to do, I've had to adjust my time frame earlier and earlier, and earlier, because if you don't, something will get into that time slot that you've set aside, and like Dasha said, she gets up really early, because it's quiet, and she doesn't want anyone else to sit. Brother Rod says he sips and soaks. He fixes his coffee, and he soaks, and he sips his coffee, and he soaks in God's presence, and I love that. Sipping and soaking, Any of you, now, I know y'all were northerners. I'm way south, so we don't get a lot of cold weather. But the times that we do, um, any of you warm up your car, like if you've got to go to work, anybody? Now, today, they got these cars where inside your house, you teet, teet, and it gets your engine started. You don't have to run in the cold and start your car and then run back in or get your husbands to warm it up for you. But you start your car because why? It it starts all the fluids and the things warming up so that the gears can be warmed up and ready to go. Some of you might say, I'm not a morning person. I don't eat breakfast. I'm not a breakfast person. This time with God, first thing, is not really a meal you have an option that you really want to skip. Because nutritional-wise, it's detrimental to the rest of your day. You know, the 
and again, I'm not knocking anybody that doesn't like breakfast, but there's a, a physical aspect about eating that gets your metabolism started first thing in the morning. If you eat, you're getting certain foods to fuel your body for the day. And the same thing when you start your car, you're getting those gears warmed up so that it doesn't go down the road. You want it running smoothly, and that's how you're going to be. You're going to be that sputtering car all day long. You're not engaging. Gears have to engage, you know. Um, you can put it in reverse or drive, but you still got the brakes on. That you got to let that gear up so the other gear can go. And so... Getting with God, engaging with him first thing. I'm telling you, it makes for the rest of your day, and you hear it over and over again, but until you do it, you're going to know that that's so important. You're cultivating the ground. You're not just getting into the word. You're getting the word into you first thing in the morning before there's everything else going into your head. There's going to begin a competition in your head. What's going to take precedence? What's going to get there first? What's going to speak the loudest in your ear? And if God's word is the first thing, that's what's going to take precedence and resonate all day long. Thank you, Jesus. Etch out that time, ladies. You've got to etch it out. You've got to make sure you've got that time slot. It's for God and nothing else. You might say, let's see. Oh, okay, let me give you this example. Um, with your husband, wives, do you just do things for your husband because he's your husband? Well, I got to do it because he's my husband, and so I'm going to do it. And I think we've all, you know, again, you should do it, but that's how it is with God. Yes, you should, but you don't have to. And it's the same thing with this I get to because he's my husband. I get to set out that time slot for God. So, so important. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all, I'm just, just getting to the point where I'm kind of squinting here, reading. I'm on my tiptoes, and these letters are getting smaller and smaller. I've never had to wear reading glasses, but I'm thinking I'm either in denial or it's really happening. It's going to be the natural overflow what's going to come out of you for the rest of the day. The natural overflow because you've spent time with him. So the first thing, your heart, you want to engage. We're talking about engage. You want to first and foremost engage with him. Thank you, Jesus. And if you find yourself starting about you, you need to soak a little bit longer. Um, was it, um, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Paladin. Natalie. She said how she had to close all the little tabs in her computer. You're going to have to make sure all those other little tabs are closed. Don't keep any open from the night before when you go to have your little slot with God in the morning. Make sure you're closing all the little tabs. Okay, so we're going to first engage with God first and foremost. The second thing, and that's your heart, is your mind. This is your mind, will, your emotions. This is your desires. This is engaging yourself. You're engaging with God. Now you're going to engage with yourself. People don't burn out from overdoing. They burn out from the loss of passion and purpose. Your motives are going to affect your actions. What was Jesus always moved by? What always thrust him? 
What always got his gears going when he fed the multitudes, when he preached to the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It was, he, he just was moved with the love of the people and he had compassion for them. So this is engaging yourself. Um, Pastor Keith Hodges said this at a conference. I would think, oh gosh, maybe five years ago even. There was a situation I was going through with a woman in our community. Now, we're very rural. We're not very big, Lockport, where we're at. So there's not a lot of, like you inner cities that have every other corner where there's drug row or there's, uh, you know, attic places. We just have a little bit, a few of them, but they're there. And there was a lady I had befriended, long story, I I met her at the nursing home where my mother was outside one day waiting for a ride. It just evolved. I'm not going to go into all the details, but she eventually wanted to come to church. So I would go, her name was Melodia. Can't forget that name, was different. And I would introduce her as my friend if I'd bring her to church, but I'm on the worship team, and I would have to, after we would rehearse, between the time service would start, I would run and go pick her up in this one little strip in Lockport, the town we lived, that was just um, people that lived pillar to post, and it was like a, um, I think it was worse than a jail cell. It was cinder blocks. It was cold. It was just like this one room, little, it wasn't even an apartment. It was just a room in this building that this man was charging rent for, which is sinful. And I'd pick her up and then I'd get her to church and then I'd run on stage and we'd do service and we'd do the ministry that pastors do. And then as soon as service was over, I'd try to see my grandkids that would run up to come see Mimo and Pop after service and say, okay, Mimo's got to go because I had to bring this lady back home. And so I incorporated a couple, I know I'm, I'm going somewhere with this gal, stay with me. We're engaging ourselves and incorporated a couple of ladies to do it with me. Somebody lived really close by, so hey, would you, do you think you could help me out, and you think you could, you know, if I had a meeting or something, pick her up, and, and it wasn't always, she was always ready, or, you know, it, and you had to be patient, um, and this one lady, one of the ones that I had incorporated to help me with this, she told me one day, she said, um, I said, hey, do you think you could, and you know what, I'm so done with her, I'm just... Um, you know what, she's never ready, she's this. And, and I remember Pastor Keith saying, if you've lost your compassion, you, ha- you need to go back and sit at Jesus' feet a little bit longer. And it stuck, it, it hit me hard because I kind of felt, you feel like that sometimes. It's okay, how long, my, you know, Jesus said that, how, mu- how long must I dwell with you, you people of little faith? How long do I have to tolerate you? But he loved us so much. That he had compassion and he saw beyond what annoyed him. Or I'm sure they, I mean, he was tempted in all points. It's actually think he ever got a little bit of, they rubbed him the wrong way. You haven't soaked long enough. You ever heard that song, I'm telling on my age, Michelle, um, you've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling, now it's gone. See, our church would have been singing. We would have had to talk, stop them. Stop. Don't, don't sing the rest of the word. They would have kept singing it. Don't lose. Romans 7, 13, Paul said, what I will to do that I do not do. Sometimes we want to do it, but we're just not doing what we need to be doing. 
Don't lose that compassion. And where are you going to get it? You're going to get it where you're engaging your heart with God and you're having that time and that's going to thrust you to engage yourself in your mind and your desires. You're changing. Actions don't always follow your feelings. I don't feel like doing this. But feelings are going to follow your actions. I don't feel like changing my baby's poopy diaper right now. It's bad. It's rancid, and I don't want to do it. But while you're doing it, you see that cute little baby, and he's kicking, and you just love it. And so the actions you're doing, your feelings are going to come after because then you're warm. You know, it's like that lady sometimes in marriages. You know, say, well, I don't feel in love with them anymore. Well, are you still doing the loving actions that do that? And it's the same with um, sharing our faith with people. I don't feel like it. They're, you know, not really what, it's not pleasant. But do the actions and then those feelings of compassion are going to follow. Thank you. I don't have to. I get to. You have to renew your mind in this. Duty, doing it out of duty and pretending, going through the motions, it's going to make you resentful. It's going to be drudgery. And let me just say this, fatigue is one of the biggest things that causes us to dread things. I get dry when I talk a lot. There is um. We always did a giant um, passion play, Easter drama, in our church for almost 30 years. COVID kind of shut it down. Um, uh, 100 members of our church, we're a small community. It was phenomenal. This it was a giant musical passion play. Um, and there was one scene in it where John the Baptist would come out. And it was uh, the scripture from it is, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we kind of wrote into it. Because true repentance is changing the way you think. You can confess your sin, but true repentance, you've got to change the way you're thinking about things and what you're doing. And, and John the Baptist would walk out and he'd say, you've got to change the way you think to be a part of God's kingdom. And that quote from that play has resonated in me because it gets, helps you to get the dread out of your head. When you know something is coming up and another, I can't imagine this church. This takes a tribe to put on a conference like this. You know, we come out, we eat, we sit at the tables. Any of you that have never been part of a ministry or ever worked in the, the different parts of the ministry and putting on things like this, it is a lot of work. I know, Michelle, you can attest to that. It takes a lot of work. And it can be like, oh, another night. I'm so tired. Oh, another night. Oh, we got to clean the toilets again. We got to empty the trash cans again. How do we get from that, ladies, from it being a duty to always, oh, yes, I get to clean the bathrooms tonight. That's my thing on the list to do. But I get to do this for the kingdom. Anything serving him, engaging with him, is going to become a pleasure. It's a privilege, but it will become a delight and a pleasure. Because you know when you stand before him, he's going to say, well done, good girls, faithful servants. Amen. Now your heart is good. You've sat with Jesus. You need to renew your minds. First Peter 5, 7, he says, cast your burdens on him. 
If it's become heavy, cast your burdens on him. What you focus on is going to affect your response. And your response is going to affect the outcome of how you do things, how you relate to people, how you share with them. Don't run from what burdens you. That means if a ministry is becoming heavy, it's not as fun as when you first started out. Wow, this is, and then after time goes on, you know, oh, I've got a little baby. I see a couple of ladies back there with little babies. Oh, my sweet little baby. And as they get older and they go through teething and they're crying all night. And then they get teething poopy with that. And then they might run a fever and then they're still not sleeping and they haven't slept in, you know. Don't back out of becoming a mom. You don't just run and leave them and, you know, you keep going. It's the same thing as ministry. I've seen people, we call it aborting. Certain ministries, they start out, this is so glamorous. We want to start the men's ministry. We want to start the ladies' ministry. Or we're going to start a small group. And we're going to, and then it starts out great, but then it becomes laborious because there is extra ministry that has to take place. Stay with it. You've got to go back and you've got to, Sit at Jesus' feet, know why, and renewing your mind and why you're doing it. Don't run from it. Don't back out of it because it becomes hard. You press. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal. This is the NIV version, but it says, keep your spirit or your fervor serving the Lord. And there's another version that says, keep your spirit at boiling point. Always keeping your spirit alive and at boiling point. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart is like medicine. Ladies, laugh. Find something to laugh about. You know, laughter does good in it. And it's so good when you have one another, ladies, and you're connecting with people in your church and that you can laugh about things. We laugh all the time because if we don't, we're going to be crying all the time. I believe Jesus laughed. He knew what he was headed for, and yet I believe his relationships with everybody. They had to laugh. He's with these disciples that were fishermen, and who knows what went on in their meal times. The third thing is your physical. We're gonna, so we've engaged with God. We've engaged with him, our heart, our spirit man. We're engaging yourself, and that's your mind, will, and emotions. Why? We're moving with compassion. And then your body is your physical. And this is where you're truly going to share your faith through your lifestyle, your everyday life. Oh, I need to walk today and serve God, and I need to share my faith, and I need, no, just be who you are. Because if you've sat with him and your heart is right, and you've engaged your mind, your will, and emotions into this, and you're moved in the right, by the right spirit of God, then all you have to do is live your life. And people are going to be drawn to you, and it is going to be a delight. So the question to ask is, am I doing this because we, we had a, um, this thing we did at our church. It was called Fifth Quarter, and it was supposed to be after the football games on Friday night at the local high school. We had a place. We'd open our youth facility for the teenagers to come and have a place instead of going to dances and things like that. We had pool tables, and 
And But what happened, the little kids in the community got wind of it, and they wanted to come too. Well, a lot of teenagers don't want to hang with the little bitty kids. So what we started to do, and it was supposed to be only with the home football games. It evolved. It got, at one point, it was 10 weeks in the fall, every Friday night, from 6 o'clock to 8.30. We had children from 6 to 12. And then at 8.30, they left at 9 to midnight. We had the teenagers. And... Sometimes we had 250 little kids. Parents drop them off, hand them a 20 because we did serve concessions and things like that. But as long as they didn't have to deal, they picked them up full of alcohol, drunk, and all these things. But they were ours for those, okay? But 10 weeks of this, you know, we're feeding them. We're cleaning up their spilled Coke. We're cleaning up their slushy juice all over this. So you, you're picking up your feet because you're stuck in the, in the syrup and the... And the toilet's overflowing, and you're doing all those things. But Pastor Chris, who is our uh, youth pastor, and she's been an associate in our church, we were meeting about this one time and praying about what was the, the greatest need or hindrances in really reaching these kids. And she said, and this has stuck with me for years, Do you, are you doing it because you hate the sin, or are you doing it because you love the sinner? And that also renews why we do things. And that's engaging your physical to say, okay, you know, they aren't going to make it if we don't do this. I hate their sin. You should hate their sin. But that's not why we should be doing it. But that we love their souls and we have compassion on them. You can't do the grin and bear it thing. You cannot do, oh, I'm just going to grin and bear this. Just going to do it. I'm going to take care of these kids. There has to be delight. And if you are renewing your mind, engaging with God, you're going to get his heart for what you're doing. His heart is in all the different ministries and things that go on in your church. His heart is there, but you have to engage with him. You've got to engage the physical. We say we love, but are not doing the corresponding actions. Let me just say this, Romans 8, um, I think, might have been Dasha this morning. One of them says there's no condemnation if we missed opportunities, if we haven't done it right, if we've done it with a grudging attitude. Um, there's no condemnation. Go on. Don't stop. Sometimes, well, I didn't do it right. I'm just going to quit. Don't quit. Keep engaging. Keep going. The question is, are we reflecting God in the physical? Colossians 3.23, whatever you do. Do it with all your heart. Unto the Lord and not unto man. The more he's going to have his way in you, ladies, the more people are going to see him in you in your everyday life. We had a, a man that we had the privilege of knowing. His name is Klaus Kugler. He is a German. You, you're familiar with Klaus. Love him dearly. And we got to meet him when I was first saved, one of the very first years I was saved. And he was a linguist by trade where he studied languages. And he was going into an unreached people group in the jungles of Irian Jaya. And they had never seen a white man before. They'd never seen white skin. And he doesn't know their language. He's going in to try to learn their language so he can translate the Bible and the word of God to them. But for a long time, he couldn't communicate with them. And the only communication he had was the way he acted. 
And he was flown into this jungle, or they went in by dugout canoes, and they would steal from him. He had certain supplies and things that he brought with him from the United States. And they would, you know, he, he, if he had a, a boar or a pig and had people there with him helping him to cook, they'd steal it. And they watch. And these were, these were savages. They were warriors. They had bones in their noses. They were, they were not dressed. They were not clothed. Sounds like something you see in a National Geographic magazine or something, but this is real to life. And Klaus is there and cannot communicate, and they would wait to see. And he said many times he could feel it rattling up inside of him. But if he knew, what was he going to speak to them in his, when they saw his physical getting angry? And so he would go to them. And the way they showed love, they'd rub foreheads. And so he'd take them. And when he first put his hands on them, they, thought, they probably thought, he's going to strangle me. Because I just stole whatever, his gasoline or whatever he had, fuel that they, you know, I don't know what they would have done. With. And anyway, it's not like they had a motorboat. Um, but he would, he would rub foreheads, which showed that he loved them. And that was the gospel he was preaching. And then, of course, years later, through different languages and translators, he was able to convert to their language but they already knew the God of Klausu. They'd call him Klausu. We, we want the God of Klausu. And so it was from their, their love, his love, his actions, and he was always engaged with the Father. I love Klaus so dearly. Thank you, Jesus. So the more he has his way in you, they're going to see him through you. They're going to see the reflection of God in you because you've already engaged with him. You've got your mind, your will, and your emotions engaged. And then your physical actions are going to follow. You're engaging with others now. And it's carrying over. Any of you are familiar with Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest? You know, years ago, our um, founding pastor wanted us to read it. And I always thought Oswald was deep. <laughs> like, ugh. it was always like, ugh. until a few years ago, our associate pastor, Chris, said, Carol, read the revised version, which is not really that watered down, but it's, you know, I encourage you, ladies, it's a, <laughs> you go through deliverance, self-deliverance, and he, and I just want to read you just, this is one, I had a whole list of them, but I encourage you, if you've never read Oswald, it's quite the devotional to go through. And this is from January of this year. And it says, service is the overflow which pours from a life filled with love and devotion. But strictly speaking, there's no call to that. Service is what I bring to the relationship and is the reflection of my identification with the nature of God. Service becomes a natural part of my life. My husband always says this. To, uh, okay. I forgot that I need glasses to see for, but I think it's, it's okay. Um, it's living naturally, supernatural. Supernaturally, natural. It's your natural, I'm not trying to live supernaturally. It just comes natural because you've engaged with God. You've got your mind, will, and emotions engaged, and now you're just living it. You're living naturally. You're not having to try. You're not having to have to put on this facade. I'm just living my life, but it's supernatural through God and through his presence inside of me. I love that. Living naturally, supernatural. It's God's reflection in and through you. John 13, 35 says, they will know we are his disciples by 
our love. Love is what's never failed. And the only way you're going to know the love of the Father is if you truly spend time with him. There was something what Dasha said a while ago, um, that when you're in the word every day, again, I've been saved for 43 years. I'm telling on my age, I was 20 years old. And every time I read through the Bible, he reveals another part of his character, another part of who he is to me. And it never stops. And ladies, I I can't say it enough. It's going to be what's going to sustain you for 43 years serving God. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to trip you up and going to try to stop you. This is what's going to sustain you. This is for a walk of a lifetime. If you're going to walk with Jesus for all of your life and not, it's going to be this. It's going to be engaging with him. So in closing, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, when, when God comes, he's going to find us, and I'm paraphrasing here, complete spirit, soul, and body. And that's what I just talked about. We can't be engaged with him with just physical because you haven't engaged with him in the spirit or the heart or in your mind. Well, I'm just doing, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just doing the physical things. Or I'm just studying the word, studying the word, but I never go out and I never live. Or I haven't connected. We're three-part being, and they can't be separated. You can't do one without the other. All the gears have to be working to get that engine and that car running and going. And everything in the natural has a spiritual thing that it's related to. And if you're going to go and be at full capacity to be able to do the things God's calling you to do with delight, you're going to have to have all three engaged. And that's your spirit, soul, and body. Everyone around you is going to suffer if you allow spiritual weakness, which is you to be weak in your heart with God. You haven't engaged. They're going to suffer. If you are moral and sensitive and your mental is careless, and that's your mind, will, and emotions, if that's just careless, you haven't engaged, and your physical selfishness to affect the lives around you. That's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to suffer with it. And let me tell you what, if you think, well, it's just me, it's going to reverberate. It's like a wave. It just keeps, and it affects so many people around you. Not just your church people. It's going to affect your family life, your workplace, and so many other places. And Romans 14, 7, in closing, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost that's the kingdom of God. That's what you are going to be fulfilled. If you engage with him, making sure your heart's right with him, engaging your mind, will, and your emotions, and then you're able to do the physical with delight. It's not going to be duty anymore. It's just going to be a delight in knowing that I'm right with the Father and I'm doing what he's called me to do. You can continue to learn, grow, and flourish with us as a community of women by visiting nrpflourish.com. There you will find information on our Facebook group, our weekly Flourish podcast with Penny 2C, and our 2024 Flourish dates. For more information about NRP and other conferences that we have going on throughout the year, visit nrpastors.com. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.